Welcome to Foothills Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doug Peak. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit foothills.org. Welcome, everyone. The Foothills Christian Church, I want to say to all of you here on our main campus, it's so good to see you. I have to admit, I've missed you more than you could imagine. And all of you doing church at home, we're just glad that you guys are still doing church and being the church, even in your own home and in your own neighborhood. This is a great day today because uh, we're starting uh, on-campus children's classes and student ministry classes. So that's very exciting. And if you're still doing church at home, please tell everybody, even if you're here on the main campus, please subscribe to YouTube. We're coming up to 600 subscribers and we're well on our way to 1,000, so we're very excited about that. And download the phone app because today you can get the message notes with all the scriptures, all the fill in the blanks and a bunch of extras that way. So download our phone app, go to your app store and just search Foothills Boise and then you'll be able to uh, find it, download it for your phone. Now, we are in this brand new series. It's called F8 Strong and we have a question. And our question is, we're just trying to figure out how in the world do you find strength in the midst of adversity? So that's our question for the entire series. How do you go strong in the face of adversity? Now, right now, uh, we seem to have a lot of adversity. There's a lot of trouble in our world. Our theme verse for this entire series is a quote from Jesus in the gospel according to John Verse 33, where he says, I tell you these things so you may be at peace. And then he says, you will have much trouble in this world, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, what kind of trouble do we have in our world right now? Well, first of all, the year started off with very divided politics. It's not very often that our country impeaches a president and has a trial. So that was very divided and people were really going after each other. And then immediately after that, this pandemic hits us. Boy, did that create a lot of fear. At first, we had no idea how uh, infectious it was. We had no idea how deadly it was. We're starting to kind of figure that out. But at first, it was just tremendously fearful. And then because of the pandemic, what happens is there's economic devastation like we've never had before, right? Over 40 million people lost their jobs. And now what we're facing is social unrest. People are uh, very upset about all different kinds of things. And there's rioting going on, destruction of property. And so if I could just talk about the weather for a second, I mean, what's up with this weather? You know, I mean, it's raining and 40 degrees in June in Idaho. How often does that happen? I feel like the book of Revelation is happening right before my eyes. Well, in all seriousness, though, I do want you to think about this. And that is whether it's the divided politics, the pandemic, the economic devastation, the social unrest, at some point, this stuff is going to impact you. And it's going to impact you in a major way. And it may already be or doing so. And so what I have found is that there's kind of like two types of people, you know, that are, uh, 
that, that kind of exhibit various qualities as they go through this. And this is very, very general. You know, it's kind of a general category. But the two types of people are people who are overwhelmed. And these are people who succumb to the situation. You know, it dominates their perspective. They watch cable news about whatever thing it is constantly. That's all they think about. And they, they just kind of get locked down. They, they can't even seem to function anymore. Then you'll find people who overcome. Now, last week we talked about people, all people start in the first group, but they learn to go into the second group. And that is, these are people who learn to grow stronger in the midst of adversity. Now, the other thing I want to share with you about these two groups is that we tend to vacillate. You know, it's like you can start out in the first group, then go into the second group. And then what will happen is you reach your limit and then you kind of go back into the first group. <laughs> it's like, I'm, all, I'm overwhelmed. I need to get. And so what, what we're trying to do is we're trying to show that there's things that you can learn to help you move towards overcoming, growing stronger, even when you're overwhelmed. And that's what this whole series is about. It's to coach you up. It's to inspire you to be able to become an overcomer. And the first thing that you need to learn is how to choose courage. That's really the first step in learning how to move from being overwhelmed into the group of over. Coming. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what is courage? How do you find courage? How do you choose to walk in courage? How do you choose to live in courage? And so our hope is that today you will be able to discover some things about courage that you may have not have learned before. And in order to do that, uh, I'm going to jump into a very famous passage of scripture, and it's in Matthew, and it talks about a very famous incident that people uh, have some familiarity with. So let's talk about it. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 32, and this is all about the disciples being caught out on a lake in the midst of a storm, and Jesus walks on the water. But let's read it and see specifically what happens so that we can learn some basic biblical principles. It'll be up here on our screen. Verse 22, chapter 14. Now, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So Jesus was on the hillside outside the Sea of Galilee, which is a really big lake, okay? Now, just so that you know, when you're standing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, you can see the other side, all right? And it's actually, I didn't realize it, but it's, it's kind of, until I went there, it's sitting in a basin of mountains. So it kind of reminded me similar to Lake Cascade, if you're from Idaho, is it's sitting in this basin of uh, mountains, which is really kind of cool. And Jesus was up on the hillside, not as heavily wooded as Lake Cascade is, but he was teaching. And then late at night, he sends everybody home. Says, hey, it's time to go to bed. All right. And then the disciples, he said, look, I'm going to go pray. You guys go to our next destination. So they get in the boat. Uh, after he dismissed him, he goes up on a mountainside by himself to pray. 
Later that night, he, he was there all alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, and it was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, this is very important to understand, and I, I read about this, and I knew it academically, but I didn't ever understand it until I got there. And that is, is that they have a wind phenomena, uh, a meteorological issue with how you have Mount uh, Hermon, which is snow capped year round. And a lot of the water comes from there. And what happens is it creates these winds on rare occasions, very similar to the Santa Ana winds in Southern California, you know, where the wind actually reverses. What it does is it comes screaming down the valley into all these mountains, and then it swirls in there before it exits out by the river of Jordan. And so it kind of captures in there because the Southern inlet where the river Jordan comes out is really, really small. It's a very small Canyon. So the wind tends to swirl in there. So these are guys who grew up fishing on this lake. Okay. Half, you know, about a third of the disciples, a fourth of the disciples were what? They were fishermen on the sea of Galilee before they started to follow Jesus. And what happened is they're caught in this and they get afraid because it's like, this is the one thing you don't want to be caught in out on the lake when this happens. You know, it's like in Kansas being caught in a tornado. You're like very familiar with them. But when that happens, it's like, this is not where I want to be. So look at what happens. It says, shortly before dawn, uh, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Now, are, are these disciples just a bunch of wimpy guys, you know, and they're so emotional? No. See, they're fishermen. They know the lake. They know what's going on. We're caught in this thing and this vortex. We're stuck. And boy, fishermen do not come out of this thing alive. And so if you're at this point where you're caught in something that you know that a lot of people don't survive and suddenly you see a ghost, maybe you're thinking, okay, this is Yahweh punching my ticket, right? This is it. I'm done. And so they cry out in fear. But look at what happens. Jesus immediately says to them, take courage. Now this phrase is almost exactly the same as the phrase in our theme verse, John chapter 16, verse 33, where Jesus said, you will have trouble in this world, but take heart. In other words, find your courage, find your strength. He says, take courage. It is I do not be afraid. Now, immediately the whole attitude in the boat shifts because what does Peter do? He says, Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And guess what happens? Jesus says, come. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then verse 33 says this, then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Now here are some basic principles that come directly out of this passage of scripture. And so I'd like you to be able to write these down. If you have the phone app, you can kind of fill in the blanks as we go in the message notes section of the app. Now, the first one is this, and there's a first biblical truth, and that is you have to deal with fear in order to find your courage. 
You're going to have to deal with your fear. The disciples were fearful when they saw Jesus walking on the water. And whenever you experience something totally different, guess what your brain does? Your brain immediately reflexively goes to fear. Now, if you ever take training on anything, you know, that's risky, if you take training on uh, uh, how to shoot, if you take training on how to jump out of an airplane, uh, anything that gives you this massive adrenaline rush, the first thing that they do in training is try to teach you how to deal with the impact of fear on your life. Because why? Fear is normal. Therefore, if you want to find your courage then you're going to have to understand the impact of your fear. Case in point, how fear influences us is when all this stuff happened and the pandemic come out, came out and we're trying to you know, figure out what to do and how to minister to people and our food uh, uh, pantry, uh, uh, the whole demand on it quadrupled. And I mean, it was just the snowball of all of this crazy stuff going on. And then I get a fever. I get a fever, you know? And so normally when I get a fever, what do I do? I take some aspirin, I go to bed, and I get up tomorrow and go to work, you know? But now you know what I'm doing? I'm going, I've got COVID. I know I've got COVID, man. And so you know, you know what I did all day? I was, I'm going around holding my breath for 15 seconds, you know? Because they said, if you hold your breath for 15 seconds, then you're, you're going you're gonna to be, I was doing all this stuff. What am I going to do? COVID, da, da, da. So I go and I get tested. And I start thinking, and I had literally convinced myself that when the test came back, I was going to be positive. So I'm trying to figure out how do I quarantine myself? How do we, you know, how do, how do we get Pastor Harv here to, to lead? Well, da, 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 and they call me up and I'm just, okay, what's the news? And they go, oh, you don't have it. <laughs> I go, what? I'm supposed to have it. I know. See, my fear had convinced me that I had it. You know, one of the things is, is that fear influences you regardless of who you are. That's so important to understand. You know what? I would like you to take a second, whether you're here in the uh, main campus or you're at church at home. And if you do be a great a favor, and that is in the comments on Facebook or on YouTube, wherever you can see it is, drop a, drop a comment in there of what are the things that you're really afraid of? What, what are the things throughout all of these crazy times are on your mind that you're thinking about that might be saying, wow, these are things that will create some fear in my life. And the reason why is because the first biblical principle is that we have to deal with our fear in order to be courageous. Now, the second biblical principle is this. Courage is recognizing Jesus in the midst of your situation in order for your perspective to change. Notice what happened when they recognized who Jesus was. What did they do? It went from, oh my goodness, we're going to die, to, that's really cool. Can I try to do that? What a shift you see in their attitude. They went from, it's all over, to, hey, I would like to try myself. And my friends, what I'd like to do right now is I would like to share with you that this right here is the core of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, what it's all about is that you come to Jesus Christ, understanding what he did on the cross for you so that you can know him personally. 
It's this notion that my soul needs to be redeemed. My soul needs to be saved. Why is that? It's so that I can know Jesus in a personal way. And that way I recognize him when he shows up in any given situation. Just like it was his presence that changed their perspective by knowing Jesus, you're, you have the potential for your perspective to change in any circumstance you faced. But this won't happen if you don't know him personally. You see, you can know a lot of things about Jesus. You can adopt his philosophy on life. You can have good morals, right? But if he shows up, is he going to say, yo, man, you're my tribe? Are you going to say, yeah, I know you personally? One of the ways I've illustrated this before is, is uh, you know, this last year, Garth Brooks came and did, you know, two concerts, you know, and a bunch of you went to Garth Brooks, you know. And so, when, you know, Garth Brooks uh, went down to DK Donuts to get some donuts, you know, heard about donuts. There's, hey, man, loving the donuts down there. So if Garth Brooks shows up, right, are you going to go up and say, yo, Garth, how's it going? Let's have some coffee together. Let's sit down and hang out. Or are you going to walk up and go, hey, Garth, and like eight security guys are going to come over and face plant you on the sidewalk? Probably the latter. Why is that? Because Garth doesn't know you. You know Garth. You know everything about him. You know how many hats he has. You know the words to all of his songs. But if you were to walk up to him, he wouldn't know your name. So many people treat Jesus this way. They know everything about him. They know who he is. But he doesn't know them personally. And this is so important if you want to find courage. If you want to discover your courage, you need to know Jesus so that when he shows up, he knows you and you know him. So let's look at the third biblical principle, okay? And that is once you choose to find and act on your courage, fear can still influence you. What happened to Peter after he got out of the boat? Did he do the tango, do a little shuffle dancing out there? No, he started to sink. Even the strongest person can sink at some point in their life. And this is what overcomers learn. They learn to find courage in an ongoing basis, even in the midst of fear. When I was growing up, uh, my mom used to tell me about this woman, Corrie Ten Boom, who wrote a book called Hiding Place. She was Danish and she lived in the Netherlands and she had a house about four houses down from a Nazi police station. The Nazis in 1940 came in and took over the Netherlands. And during that period of time, Corrie Ten Boom, her sister and her parents hid Jews three or four houses away from the Nazis. And it was kind of that thing is that we're so close, they'd never think of looking here. They did it for years but what happened is in February of 1944, this is 14 months before the war ended, the Nazis caught her. They then sent her to a concentration camp with her sister. Her sister died in that concentration camp. 
And there was a guard in that camp. She writes about this in the book Hiding Place, who was exceptionally cruel to her sister. And Corey Ten Boom says, I hated that guard. Well, then the war ends. And after the war, she decides that she is being consumed by hatred for what this guard did to her sister. So she finds this German guard, and then she goes and meets with him and tells him, I forgive you for what you did to my sister. And she talks about that process of everything, hiding Jews from the Nazis, being arrested, being in concentration camps, the loss of my sister, and ultimately finding freedom through forgiveness, took courage. And every step of the way, she had to face her fear. So just because you choose courage doesn't mean that you won't have to face your fear along the way, just like Peter. Now, the fourth biblical principle here that I want you to understand is that Jesus has one goal in every situation and circumstance that you face in your life. And you know what that goal is? To grow the strength of your faith. What did uh, Jesus tell Peter? Was he trying to insult him? No, he was trying to coach him up. He just simply said, you have little faith, why did you doubt? So what he's doing is he's simply saying, here's why you sank is that your faith was small and here was the problem or the reason why your faith was small because you were doubting what I could do even in the midst of my presence. He's right there showing him how to do it and yet he still doubted. He took his eyes off Christ and put it on his fear. This is why Jesus in John uh, 16, says this, take heart, find your courage for I have overcome the world. The whole point in every tribulation that you have, every difficulty, every trouble is that God wants to grow your strength. So, Let's take these four principles and then let's apply them in your life, okay, in a real way. And what I thought would be a really good way to do that is kind of illustrate what I call the continuum of courage. So we have to go to the whiteboard. And if you know me personally, I really like whiteboards, so I'm a visual guy. But uh, uh, if you can't read this, all you got to do is look up. And so the camera should be on here. And that is, is that in ancient... Uh, Greek philosophy. We're talking Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, and all these guys. And then later on, it was uh, Roman philosophers like Cicero. They wrote about courage, and they all basically said is that courage is on a continuum, okay? And I like that. They said, but if you have too far this way, what they would call you is a coward, all right. In other words, uh, another way to say it is faint of heart. In other words, you don't have the strength of heart. And that's not, even though it's on the continuum of courage, you're not being uh, courageous. Okay. But the other side of it was this. And that is, if you're just going overboard, then you're simply being reckless. Okay. Now, this is really important to understand because what I want you to understand is that fear. And I want you to understand that courage are linked together, okay? Courage, 
fear linked together. And where you find yourself on this continuum will determine whether you're learning how to discover courage in the midst of difficulties and adversity. Now, there's a guy by the name of Daniel Putnam, and Daniel Putnam wrote a book. It is called The Emotions of Courage, and Daniel Putnam is the uh, professor at the University of Wisconsin, and he said, uh, there's three factors that move you from fear to courage, and they're intertwined emotionally, because fear is a super-duper emotion, and courage is a choice of behavior. And so they're interacting, and he said, you know what, what influences this interaction? Number one is the perception of the situation. How dangerous do you perceive what's going on? Number two is what cause are you currently involved in, right? How worthy is it? The, the more worthy the cause, the more it impacts you moving from fear to courage. And then finally, your assessment of your own skill or your own ability. So I thought it'd be really cool if we went through these so we could apply them directly to your life. So let's go back over here and let's see how they apply. The first one is this, is that if you assess the danger of the situation poorly, you could find yourself either reckless or in cowardice instead of being courageous, right? In other words, if you see the situation and you overestimate how dangerous it is, where do you find yourself? Not doing anything. You are locked down by fear. However, if you say, well, that's no problem. I'm going to jump out of this airplane without a parachute because I can fly. What are you being? Reckless. You are underestimating the danger of the situation. So how do you get an accurate read on the destination or, or the situation? How do you get an accurate read on that? It's really hard unless you see the situation from the perspective of Jesus. You see, your own fear is going to influence your perspective, right? Or your fear of fear. I see this around guys, especially young guys. So, well, yeah, I'll do that. I'll jump off of that. Well, I'll jump off the next one. Well, I'll jump off the next one. Because they're afraid of being seen as fearful. So they get a little bravado going. You know what I'm saying? And pretty soon one guy's saying, well, I'm going to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge to prove to you I'm not scared. Yeah, that's probably not a good idea. This is why your mom always says, well, if all your friends were to jump off a cliff, would you too? And all the guys are going, yeah. Yeah, I would. I'd go next one up, you know? So that, what, what, but what that does is that clouds our judgment, right? See, when you see the situation from the perspective of Jesus, it's more easily, uh, it's easier to choose courage. Why? Because you have an accurate assessment of the situation. Okay, so by making this willful choice to see it from his perspective, what you are doing is you are choosing to walk in courage. I think that's a powerful thing. Now, the second way it applies to your life is this. This is the hidden factor in walking in courage. A lot of people don't realize this is where actual courage is birthed and grows stronger. And that is the higher the calling, the greater the courage. The higher your calling, the greater your courage. Professor Putnam says this, is that the more worthy the cause, the more courage a person can muster. Uh, A.W. Tozer wrote this. In this crazy world in which we're living now, what he said is even more important for us to hear. And that is a scared world needs a fearless or a courageous church. 
When everybody else around you is in fear, you need to have more courage. And this is why the mission of the church is so important. You see, what happens is that if you are just living for yourself, if you are your mission in life and your own happiness is your own mission in life, then not all the time, but generally speaking, you're going to either be here or you're going to be here. Now, let's say you join the military, right? And you're saying, now my cause is something bigger than myself, right? I'm serving in the military. I'm serving my country. Then your potential for courage goes what? Up. But just because you're in the military and you've been trained doesn't mean you'll be a courageous person. Because what happens if you're in the battle, you're in a situation and you're not sure why you're there and the leadership isn't clear and you don't know the parameters of the mission. It's a lot harder to be courageous in those environments, right? So on a personal level, the way you can muster the greatest amount of courage in your life is by living for the most worthy cause that any human being has ever lived for. And that is living for God. Because then you know that I have the greatest potential for finding and discovering courage in my life. Now, the last one is this, and that is when you want to stay out of cowardice and you want to stay out of recklessness and you want to live and walk in courage, then focus on what Jesus can do through you instead of what you can do for yourself. Uh, Professor Putnam says this, he says, one of the problems with the interaction between fear and courage is that we don't accurately assess our own ability, right? We just don't understand our own skill level. And so there's a real catch 22, because if you're relying on yourself to find courage, when you're locked in fear, how do you do that? Well, if you know Jesus and he's inside of you, then what happens is that you can say, I am overwhelmed right now, but Jesus can do any and all things through me. I can move out of fear and into courage. This is why Paul wrote to the Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Back to Corey Ten Boom. When they asked her, or when they were discussing with her, and she writes it in her book about how, how is it that you were able to do all of these things? You know, you're just a sweet, nice little Danish girl. How did you survive all this and do all this thing? And she said this, it is not my ability, but my response to God's ability that really counts. See, there's a powerful truth in there. See, when we turn to God and we step out and rely on his strength, dramatic things can happen. I'd like you to hear Emma's story about how all this comes together. Wow, what a great story, man. Isn't that awesome? You know, these stories just show how these principles that you read in the Bible become real life. You know, they're real and they make a huge difference in guiding and shaping and leading you. And so my challenge for you today is simply this. I challenge you to begin to discover how to find courage in your own life. Maybe you just need to take the first step. It takes courage to honestly look at your life 
There may be a lot of great things about your life, things you love your life, but deep down in you know that there needs to be something more. It takes courage to look that deep. It takes courage to believe that you need to be redeemed. It takes courage to recognize how fear is influencing your future. It takes courage to step forward in faith into God's future for you. It takes courage to keep your eyes focused on Jesus and what he's doing. All of these things take courage. And you learn it from Christ, then when the world goes psychotic and crazy and nuts and all of these things then start pouring and impacting you in your own life, you know how to find courage. Whenever you get overwhelmed, you know, ah, let me go back and discover how to overcome again by stepping into courage. You know, uh, we're going to have Harv kind of share with us just what our next step are. And when you're doing church at home, what I'd like you to do is do the discussion questions and then drop some comments in Facebook or YouTube, just so that we know which, you know, take one of the discussion questions and then write some comments about your answer to it. Because as a pastor, I want to know what you guys are going through. I want to know what you're feeling and thinking so that I can speak and, and coach into your personal experience with Jesus Christ. So would you do that for me? Because it'd be really great. Let's let Harv share us what our next steps are. Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org.